So we're coming here out of the conversion of Saul, and we're seeing that, that the Gospel doesn't discriminate. It, it, God is, is saving His people. He's, he's meeting them where they are. He's radically renewing His people. Uh, Saul was not on the way to life. He was not on the way to, to merit favor with God. He was on the way to uh, destroy God's people when indeed the way of life met Him. And He was changed forever. And then we see the Gospel continue. And actually, what's going to happen here in verses 32-43 through uh, 43 is going to set us up for all of chapter 10 into chapter 11 by explaining to us the power of the Gospel. And we see Peter enter back into the picture. And what's going on is we're, we're seeing that Peter indeed knows the power of the Gospel. He understands it to, to restore um, God's people. He sees that it, that it um, raises God's people. This good news uh, brings the dead to life. And then we're going to see Peter challenged in chapter 10 with his, his heart and his, his um, um, discrimination in, in a way of, of the Old Testament and being divided from certain people and things being clean and unclean. And we're going to see that he's changed. But it all starts here by knowing and understanding the power of the Gospel. And that's what we need to understand this morning. Before we go anywhere else, let's turn to God's Word and see the power of the Gospel. In verse 32, it says, Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known to all throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. That's God's word for us this morning. Church, let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, as we draw near to You through Your Word this morning, I pray that, that we would look to the power of the Gospel, to those of us who You've saved, God, that, that You've, you've um, regenerated, You've met us where we are. Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of this power and we would go and we would tell of this power that is in the Gospel message. And I pray that we would call those who do not know You to repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. To the person here this morning that is yet to, to know and, and cling to this power of the Gospel, not the power of man, I pray, Lord, that You would soften their heart. I pray that You would draw them to Yourself and You would save them this morning. And God, that they would go public with their faith. They would tell the world and they would go and be missionaries wherever You would call them. Being a light in the world and going into the darkness to proclaim the truth of Your good news. Father, we love You and we praise You and ask that You would just move in a mighty way by the power of Your Spirit 
In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, church, as we move through this text this morning, our main point is that we are restored and raised to glorify God. We are restored and raised to glorify God. If you saw on Facebook, we asked the question, does, does, do miracles still happen, right? Do miracles still happen? That's kind of clickbait to, to get you in, and, and maybe you're curious, like, I don't know, I've, I've always been curious. Do miracles still happen? Because we come across a passage like this, and we see Aeneas was bedridden uh, for eight years, is paralyzed, right? And we see that um, he is healed in the name of Jesus. And then we see um, Tabitha told to arise after being dead. Not sick, but dead. And then we hear stories of, of people around the world. We see healing services. And we wonder, why at New Hill Church are we not going and laying our hands on the dead? If we believe that these things happen, then what is the purpose? Well, let's get to the purpose. But first, we must know that we are restored in Christ Jesus. Point number one. We are restored in Jesus. To the point where, we'll get in a minute, but we know that, that death doesn't reign in or on those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that, that sickness may get us here, but it will not stop us from being reconciled to the Father on the day of redemption. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. No sickness, no death, no enemy. Nothing can stop what God has begun in you. But first, we must understand that Jesus restores us. Right? We are restored. So Peter shows up here to check on the saints. And Lydda, right? It says, now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived in so this was a journey and this was a job that was given to Peter, right? Peter's going around and checking on all these, these churches. Um, we've got a guy like this, we call him Buzz, uh, Buzz Coacher, goes around checking on the churches. He's not a pastor, but he's checking in on the pastors and, and seeing how they're doing, seeing what their needs are, seeing how he can pray for us and making sure that we're on mission together, right? So Peter's on this journey, checking in on everybody. How's everybody doing? There's saints popping up here the gospel message is, is reaching this town it's not just in jerusalem we see that it's spreading like the great commission tells them so peter's job he, he's very very busy right and this is great this tells us that many saints and many churches are being planted right saints are being saved right sinners are being saved by the gospel message churches are being planted by these once dead people now made alive in christ who want to share this message called um, to to go and to proclaim this truth peter is going and checking on these churches this is a beautiful sign of what was going on so then he comes to this town and there he finds this man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed. Right? And you see something like this, and we think there's, there's no hope. This person is just going to be paralyzed for the rest of their life. They're going to have to be waited on hand and foot to help meet their needs. Aeneas, surely he, he couldn't do anything for himself. Well, as Peter shows up, Peter sees an opportunity as the Lord leads him. And it says, And Peter said to him, seeing this man, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. 
and immediately he rose. Now let me tell you something. That's got to be the power of God. That's got to be restoration through Christ because I can tell you as, as a young child, my dad would come into my room often and tell me, Michael Meadows, wake up and make your bed. And the, the reaction wasn't the same. And I wasn't paralyzed. But you see, Aeneas is met by Peter, but Peter doesn't say, I heal you. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately, he rose. He says, and all the, all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him. Right? They see the evidence of what has happened. They see that this man has been restored. And if you could imagine, he probably wasn't just like on to his next job. He was probably doing the things that we take for granted, just being able to wiggle his toes and move a little bit and get beat by kids and, and uh, tug of war contests. Just anything that he can do. If you don't know, uh, Pastor Mark lost to the kids in tug of war last night. Um, so I knew I'd be able to get it in here somewhere uh, along the way. Uh, whatever you're telling, Rose, you can tell us all. Um, <laughs> but he's enjoying what he did not have before Jesus restored him. Now let me tell you something. There's, there's a message of hope here. That when we look to these, these restorings, when we look to these healings, we're not simply to look at the fact that he was able to walk again. No, it points us to Jesus. It points us to the restoration that is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. There's a message of hope for the people who deal with turmoil and persecution. Who suffer from anguish. Who suffer from trial after trial. Illness after illness. There's a message of hope. And the hope isn't here that you would be healed. It's not just here that you would be restored, but it's that in Christ Jesus, your eternity has been reconciled to the Father and there will be no more pain and no more suffering. And we are to long for that. We are to long for the things to come. Because we know that we can, we can be healed here. We can, our cough can go away. Our COVID can go away. Our flu can go away. Our feet can be made well again so that we can walk. But if we do not have Jesus, none of that matters. We know that our sickness can go away here, but we will still go on to die one day. We're not immortal. And this kind of message draws a crowd. Look to Matthew 9, verses 35-38. through 38. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when, the, uh, when He saw the crowds, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So this, this crowd was coming and they were seeing Jesus and they were hearing the message and he was healing people. And it was almost like this, this healing crusade, right? Like these healing services and people will come and they, they look to be healed. And it says that he has compassion, but we also see Jesus elsewhere where he tells the crowd the truth of the gospel. And what do they do? They go away. Because the point of all of this was to point to faith in Christ Jesus was to point to repenting and believing in the good news that Jesus brought to us. 
so that we could be restored, not temporarily, but eternally in Christ Jesus. Now how good that is. Revelation 21, verses 1-4. through For you end times folks. Right? Mm-hmm. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And we know this to be true in Christ Jesus, but we also know it to be eternally true at the day of redemption. That at that day, there will be no more. And if you go on now, you don't make it to the day that He comes back, right? Then you begin that then. No more tears, no more pain, no more death, no more affliction but eternity of praise to the One who restored you. And He doesn't just restore, He raises. Point number two. God is not just restoring His people, He's raising them. So there's not just this hope of no more pain, but there's this hope of life in Jesus. To the dead, they are made alive. Spiritually, without Christ Jesus, now you are dead in your trespasses. But the good news is that in Christ Jesus, you were raised spiritually and one day raised physically to receive your glorified body. See, the resurrections we see here in the Bible of people like Lazarus were a glimpse of the hope and the resurrection to come. Pointing to the resurrection of Jesus and then the resurrection of His people. So when we come to this story here in, in verse 36-43, through 43, this event that happened literally took place it points us to the resurrection we have in Christ Jesus. So there's this, this, this woman named Tabitha. In those days, she became ill. Right? Look, let me go back a little bit. I love that Luke makes sure that we know. This is like one of like two places where a disciple is used in the, the feminine tense. And it's showing us her faithfulness to the Lord. That she was full of good works and acts of charity. Now in those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And they find out Peter's close by, right? And so they send for him, send two men, and says, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and he went with them. And when he arrived, he, he took, they took him to the upper room. All the, windows stood beside, all the widows stood beside him weeping, showing tunics and other garments. Dorcas had made when she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and he knelt down and he prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And this gives us, church, a hope. Not that we go to, to the morgues, right? Not that we go to the seminaries praying that, that our, our family would be raised up, that we would have more time for them, more time with them, and, and more time spent caring for them and, and doing life with them. But it shows us that in Christ Jesus, we will be raised. 
that in Jesus, death has no sting. It has no power over the Gospel message. It has no power over our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. Amen, church? And that is our hope that when we look to this, we, we get a glimpse of what it's like. That we were once dead, but now we've been made alive. Paul talks about that. While you were dead in your trespasses, Christ made you alive. And we see it literally here with Tabitha. I'm sure she could have come back and been like, just with the Lord, and you bring me back into this, right? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And think, dude, Peter, what are you doing? I'm trying to show them that in Christ Jesus we will be raised. She's like, you could have raised Lazarus again, right? Like, I was just with Jesus. This is a believer. And our hope as Christians is that we get to go on to be with the Lord. Church, if I die tomorrow, please don't pray for me to come back. I'm t- I watched the news this week. There's too much going on. There's a mission field while I'm here. I'm going to live and I'm going to tell people about Jesus. But don't call me back into it. But it gives us a glimpse of the hope that we have in Jesus that He's restoring His people and He is raising His people. Romans 6, verses 1-4. through 4. Paul writes this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now we go on to walk in newness of life here because you've been given the Holy Spirit and you get to show the world what God's people look like. We get to go and show people characteristics and attributes of God because He has given us His Spirit so we can go forth and spew out the fountain of life telling people the good news of Jesus. That without Jesus, there is no hope. Dead people don't do that. Restored and raised people do that. And look, we've said this here before. If you want to be raised with Christ, you must be first buried with Him. Now that means that in this life, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be um, hated. right? Jesus told us all this. And, and because we live in a fallen world, you're going to face illness. You're going to face deaths in your family. But our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in this life. It's in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we look to Him and we long for Him. 1 Corinthians 6.14 Did I put that one in there? That one I don't have in. 1 Corinthians 6. 14 says this, and God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. You hear that? God raised the Lord. So the Father, when, when you read that, that doesn't take away the deity of Jesus. It actually shows us the beauty in the triune God that we need to understand the Trinity better, right? That God the Father raised the Son, our Lord, and will also raise us up by His 
power. It's not going to be by the power of our words. It's not going to be by, by the laying on of hands that we're just raising people and always healing the sick. But it's going to be by the power of God when God calls. So do miracles still happen? Yes. You probably weren't expecting that after saying all of this is to point to. But it's not the normative. We're not to, to long for temporary healings. We're not to long for bringing the dead back here. We are to go and to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's King. He died so that His people could be restored and raised on the last day. That's what walking in newness of life looks like. It looks like obeying God and His Word and going and telling the world of the goodness of Jesus Christ. And these miracles happen to glorify God. We are restored and we are raised to glorify God. Point number three. All of this is to glorify God. We were made, pagans and saints alike, made to glorify God. Sin separated us from the Father, ruined that picture, distorted it. But now for believers, we are to glorify God with our life through our, our sacrificial living, through our giving of time and effort, resources, all that we have so that we could glorify God. When we speak to people, we do it in a way that we look to seek and honor, glorify God, right? We want to honor and glorify God in all that we do. And we're proactive in it. But all of these miracles were to point to Jesus. And so often we find ourselves wanting to be like those um, just going and praying on and, and healing people, right? We, we want to see this sign and we want to see that sign. We want to see all these things done. And really the miracle we should be praying for is that God would open their eyes. That He would take them from death to life. Not simply that He would restore a broken arm, which would be great. If I could do it, I would go and do it every day. But we are to look for the things to come. These miracles happen so that Christ would be glorified. Look back in verse 35. All the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw Him and they turned to the Lord. You jump down to verses 42 and 43. And it became known throughout all of Joppa and many believed the Lord. And we'll see in, in chapter 10, that Peter ends up being glorified a little bit. And he says, stop it, I'm just a man. We see this happen a few times. And these men, the apostles, deny the power of themselves and point to the power of the Gospel. Look, look to, to John 11, verse 4. Right before Lazarus is raised. What, is, what does God say? I don't think that, that one's on the screen either. I didn't get that one. What does Jesus say? He says that this purpose, the reason that Lazarus has died, is so that God could be glorified. The reason of that miracle was so that God could be pointed to. That God could be glorified. That God could be exalted in the raising of Lazarus. Church, the reason we exist is to glorify God. The reason God saved you is so that you could go on to glorify God and, and call people to faith and repentance in Jesus. Look, I th think about it. Like In our friendships, relationships, and even our marriages, what would it be like if we only cared for the other person for what they had to offer? 
Like, I'm only going to hang out with Zach because he's got a sweet Audi, right? Like, oh, sweet car, man. Like, that's my best friend. Zach's like, uh, when's my birthday? And I'm like, I don't know. A sweet car, though. I know that thing's birthday, right? What, what about with, with my wife? If I'm like, I love you because of the things marriages allow us to do. What if I said, I love you because of the, the gifts that you give me? All of the things that she has to offer instead of acknowledging the fact that God brought me into this relationship. He, he gave Aubrey to me. She's a gift from God. And I want to glorify Him because of it. And I want to honor her through it. Through the Gospel. That changes our perspective on everything. But oftentimes we just come to God because we want these things. And, and let me tell you something. Jesus had some stern words. He said, there will come a time, there will be a generation that, that demands signs and it will not be given to them. John Piper says, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. Church, our satisfaction is to be in the Lord. We are to be satisfied. We are to be filled by Him. See, these things were, were temporary. And yes, church, they're beautiful. If you're here today and you're like, another mean Baptist picking on healings and, and prophecies and speaking in tongues, that's not what this is this morning. But what this does is it points us God. It points us to His power. It points us to the message that saves. It points us to His goodness. It points us to His character. And it points us to the life that we have in Christ Jesus forever. And it begins now, but this is a picture of then. The things to come. I want to end here, Luke, and, and band. You can go ahead and come back up. John 11, verses 25 and 26. Because Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? That our hope is in Christ Jesus. Knowing that by the, the power of the Gospel, through faith and repentance, we will be restored and raised to glorify God. So church, go ahead and stand on your feet and let's lift up a joyful noise to the Lord this morning. Glorifying Him and exalting His name. Knowing that in Christ Jesus, you are restored and raised to glorify Him. And the best is yet to come, church. But if you don't know Jesus... If you don't get it now, you won't want to get it later. You won't want to know what it's like on the other side when you didn't know on this side. This morning, repent and believe in the Gospel. Turn away from your sin and trust in the Lord. Surrender your life to Him. And come and tell me that you did that. I want to celebrate that with you and I want to teach you about the goodness of God so that you and I can glorify Him together. But without Him, we're nothing. And remember that not just healings, everything, every good and perfect gift is from God. So this week, honor Him and glorify Him, acknowledging all that He has done for us. Amen? He is a good, good Father. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for this morning and just this time that we've had together. And I pray that You would, you would be with us. I pray that as we, we leave here this morning, we would reflect on Your Word, Lord, and I pray that uh, Your Holy Spirit would uh, begin, begin 
fixing any of the, the hillbilly words that came out of my mouth. And Lord, that Your Word would be rooted. Lord, I pray that we'd be sanctified by Your, your Word. Lord, I pray that we would cling to this message and the power of it. I pray that we wouldn't look for the, the temporal things. We wouldn't look to the materialistic things of this world. But God, as we, we see passages like this, we see events like this, even today, it still happens, though rare, I pray that it would be glorifying to Your name. It would be done according to Your will. And I pray that those recipients and those witnesses would exalt Your name and not man's name. Would, would look to the things to come would understand the hope that we've been given through Your Son, Jesus, our Lord. And I pray that we would go and we would share that message. That one day we're all going to die here. But we will be raised. We will be with You for eternity. We will be reconciled officially and forever. Seeing everything You've prepared for us, Your people, having not earned it or deserved it by any means. And to You be the glory alone, God. Lord, I I pray that You would uh, be with us as as we approach getting back into small groups. Lord, that we we would take this serious. That we would seek to glorify You in everything, even in the small group setting. Making time for it. Sacrificially giving our time for one another. Loving and caring for one another. Using the gifts of hospitality as, as members open their homes. And Lord, I pray that You would just be with that. Be with that small group season and that You just be glorified. As, as each and every saint this morning walks out, I pray that, that we together would look for ways to glorify You this week. To point people to the Gospel message. And to the person here that doesn't know You this morning, Lord, I pray that You would just draw them to Yourself. Lord, my, my last prayer this morning is as for the offering for the Ortiz family, Lord, I pray that You would bless it. God, that You would multiply it. Um, God, that You would use it for, uh, for their good and for Your glory. Lord, that, that their ministry would be fruitful, that it would be God-honoring, that it would exalt the name of Your Son, Jesus. I pray that You would just bless them immensely for their labors. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.